0: Hello, and welcome to IRI Growth Insights, featuring IRI thought leaders, industry partners, and guests. For more than 40 years, IRI has been known for its invaluable data, but these podcasts delve into the insights the data reveal to fuel market disruption and market growth for those in the CPG, retail, healthcare, and media markets. I'm your host, Joan Driggs, coming to you from my home in the greater Chicago area In this special episode of IRI Growth Insights, recorded on May fifteenth, 2020, we're discussing COVID-19 and its impact on the CPG and retail industries. For daily updates on consumer reaction, real-time data on product categories, as well as insights and implications to the CPG retail industry, I encourage you to visit iriworldwide.com to see the IRI COVID-19 dashboard, powered by IRI Liquid Data. At the same location, you'll find a number of COVID-19 reports that provide valuable information across countries, categories, and channels. Hello, and welcome to another episode of IRI Growth Insights. Today, I'm joined by my colleague, Chris Dubois, Senior VP of Protein Practice here at IRI. Today, we're going to be talking about how America is cooking. Meat sales are up. Chris, thanks for joining me.
1: It's a pleasure to be here, Joan, and it's exciting to be part of the Growth Insights podcast.
0: We're talking about meat, which has been described as the current toilet toilet paper um, because it's in such hot demand, but really, I have not encountered too many empty shelves, certainly some different, you know, assortments or different levels of stock, but is it really that bad? Are we really running out of meat?
1: No, we're not running out of meat, Joan, and that's a great question because there's sometimes a lot of concern, whether it's the media or just what people see in the stores. You know, for years we've been blessed with almost unending supply, and every time people went to the grocery store, there's always meat in stock someplace. There might be a little bit out here and there but since last march you know we saw meat sales soar 90% for a couple of weeks in march 90% you know year over year i mean that's amazing growth so as your title talked about america really is cooking and they're trying different cuts they're you know and they're putting new meat, meat on plate on the plate in a different kind of way than they have in the past it's literally every retailer's dream come true if, and so when you think about all that there is big demand and if I, we look back last week, sales were still up 50%, which is up even over 40%. So when you think about what's going on in America, we're all at home. Or yeah. Most of us are at home. And most of us are cooking more. So now the question becomes, with that kind of demand, like, yeah, there, are, there is a little bit of shortage coming out just because people are buying so much.
0: Part of that shortage, though, is not necessarily that there isn't meat. It's that maybe some of those go-to cuts of meat aren't available, and that's I think what you're talking about in terms of people are trying new cuts. Is that
1: right? Yeah. So what we're yeah. So the other side is you know with with COVID, there have been plant shutdowns, and they've made the headlines. Um, and and the good part is meat processors are right on top of it, and so, so is the government. So they're taking all the safety precautions to make sure workers are safe and and meat is safe, but. It's, it's constrained supply and it's it is a real piece but at the end of the day when you come back day over day week over week in, in supermarkets around the, the nation there is enough meat there and all it means is that people may not be able to get to their favorite cut you know of chicken that they maybe they came for uh, boneless thighs but at the end of the day there's boneless breasts available or there's a whole bird available or pork chops are available so people will find meat they just may not find the cut until, Um, Some of the issues with the meat plants, you know, closing for a while are are back open.
0: IRI conducts weekly surveys, and we find that people are definitely cooking again, as you said. And a lot of the people who have been forced to cook actually enjoy it. So they are telling us that they're going to stick with it. We've also seen, um, maybe more anecdotally, that people are restocking their kitchens with a lot of you know, very typical implements, tools, things like, you know, air fryers and Instapots, pots and pans, hot pads. Um, So people are definitely committing to this. And I think that with all those videos, all the cooking shows, people are inspired to try new things, to try new cuts of meat, to try something different, maybe to break up some of the tedium and to make use of whatever stock is available out there.
1: Yeah, it's been powerful when you see those e-commerce numbers, and you know whether it's on Amazon and Walmart and some of the other big sites. It's it, it's true people are buying the air fryers, and that changes the nature of cooking. And once people try, have tried it, because um, you know, let's let's all be honest. Like we've probably had to. We've experimented, and we've all done it. It gives groups confidence that haven't really cooked that much in the past. So if you're a younger household where cooking was hard and maybe you didn't feel like trying it, you're always going to do more takeout. The last few weeks or the last couple months have been a great chance to experiment. And that's what we've seen. So as we look at purchases across the store, we've seen households that typically buy, call it between the average of three to five cuts, typically that they had their favorite cuts and that they would buy it. We're now seeing people add two or three different more variations in as they try new recipes. And maybe that air fryer is a great way to try, put in to, to cook the ribs that they brought home. And maybe they hadn't done that before. So these the nature of the recipes and all these new tools, um, yeah, I think, are setting the, the meat industry in, as well as some of the center store up for longer term success.
0: So let's talk a little bit more about some of those different types of meat. And maybe you can give us, um, you know, more of a level set on which meats like beef, chicken, turkey, pork are doing well, um, which are maybe some of having some of the tighter supply and what you foresee in the in the very near future for those.
1: In terms of, if you look back over 50 years, chicken, chicken's been the star of the department. Yeah, that, that's tripled in ter- chicken's tripled in terms of um, the amount we eat per capita. So and if you see the numbers versus beef and pork and some others, chicken's numbers are truly off the chart and they make that chart. But what's been fascinating is even though chicken's been star of the show for the last 50 years beef and pork, and especially turkey. I mean, turkey is the one that's honestly surprised me. The, tur- the growth in turkey over the last few months has been astonishing. And some of that is, I think, coming back to that experimentation, you know, that people are trying some new things.
0: But I'll say with turkey, like I could think of something, if I'm going to cook a turkey, I can think of something I could do with that for the rest of the week. So there has to be some of that in yeah. there too, of because we do get fatigued, and that's a convenience. Once it's done, oh, I can make lots of things, lunch, dinner, soup.
1: Yeah, exactly. So all of a sudden, turkey has become sort of that, I hate to call it the star of the department because it's not the biggest. But it is it, it, it is growing the fastest overall and shows the best year-over-year growth. So for that reason, it's become uh, just very, very powerful. And we've seen cuts change as well. So ground has been... Um, just enormously popular. And so ground beef typically would be a big seller. Ground turkey is done okay over time, but ground pork is really off the charts. So if you think, are people trying to combine pork and beef into some interesting meatballs? Are they doing different things around casseroles? Are they doing different things around dishes? Um, That kind of you know, for people who've watched the industry for a long period of time, it's honestly shocking, puzzling, and just fascinating watching the, these different cuts kind of move in and change because the mix of that department's changed. But it's fun because every with everything up, um, it, it just it mean, it, it's, it's just a, a, a great place to be inside the store today.
0: So, and I would anticipate too that, you know, we've talked so much about different behaviors and how shopping behaviors are going to change. We know that um, much of the food dollar will remain in the home, so we can anticipate that, that meat sales will remain elevated. Do you think this kind of bodes well for some of these different cuts of meat as the supply chain kind of rebalances itself, you know, that people will be, like, I remember, it's. I think it's even lamb. Like, lamb is just way up, and lamb was very small. Like, do you anticipate that some of these types of meat will remain at elevated levels of popularity?
1: I think you're going to find some of these that definitely last a a little bit longer. You know, if you think about lamb, it's something that's almost, it's a line people wouldn't cross. In other words, if you never really cooked it, it's probably scary, a little expensive, but lamb, isn't about just Greek Easter and Easter and gee, we're going to have the spike and let it go away. It's sustaining at decent levels. And that's where some of these, I would call them even more exotic meats are getting pulled off the shelves and and the tests, you know, and the households are beginning. So when you think about the change and and we all know we're going back to restaurants at some point. You know, I'm not going to say it's next month, but certainly in the next 2 years you'll see people going back into restaurants over time and and the food service demand will pick up and some of its some of those numbers and sales will come out of the, the big supermarket gains we've seen. But I'd fully expect it to sustain at higher levels than it had been in the past. In other words, supermarket sales for meat will sustain at higher levels than it had been in the past. In in no way does a consumer, nothing we've seen in our data says consumers are ready to go back to exactly how it was. So when you think about the change in nature of what people buy every week or every two weeks and what they stock up on, I would fully expect to see more exotics, more changes, and I I think we're gonna see that change of American palate over time, whether it's more dark meat coming in than it had been in the past, whether it's more bone-in usage, um, but people are getting comfortable with cooking, and um, all the new recipes that are out there and all the new tools um, will be part of what changes how America cooks going forward.
0: That's awesome. So you just raised two little questions for me. What do you consider exotics? Like what else, is, uh, what else do you consider to be an exotic meat?
1: We have a very long list that our clients can kind of go through, but it covers everything from um, rabbit to bison and, and on and on and on. So if you kind of look down, even bison and some of those other, um, they're not truly exotic. I mean, that's our word for it. But a bison is simply just very lean beef with a little different flavor. So it cooks up extremely well, and if you look at it from um, nutrition and you look at it from um, different fat contents, it'll go into different dishes really well. Now it's expensive, relatively, but but we're seeing people buy it and take it away. So that again, that can change what goes in chili. It can change what goes in to different plates. So yeah, I don't see bison taking over beef, but yeah, you know, the. They've had an unbelievable sampling program over the last two months. So when you have all these new buyers coming in, it's you know, it's millions literally for the department and even for like ground sausage links, it could be uh, as much as a million new buyers. So how do these millions of new buyers adjust, like, and test it? And um, it's, it's, uh, it, those are powerful research studies and it's, um, it is just fascinating to see how people react to that.
0: And I kind of want to clarify that with that testing that you're talking about, these are people buying these cuts of meat. Like I don't think that there are sampling programs in the store right now.
1: No, no, I'm sorry. I just meant it was people are actually buying the products.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So if you think about how would you, if you were a marketer and you didn't have a pandemic and you didn't have this massive demand, I can't imagine how expensive it would be to run a sampling program to go force people to buy your product. But, you know, some of these dinner sausage manufacturers, some of the chicken processors, uh, if you think of bison, they've had people pay them to sample their products basically like what a phenomenal reverse marketing technique (laughs) that just happened. So the ability to go find these new buyers, see what worked, how did they use it? Um, did they like it? Um, that's the power of what what our panel can bring, and because we know who exactly bought them, and it gives our clients um, peace of mind that they know they're talking to real buyers. And understanding that behavior can help them position new products and new marketing messages in the future.
0: And so, it really is going to be up to these marketers to keep those these new buyers on board, which um, is a is a darn good challenge to have. So I want to kind of pivot a little bit to plant-based because plant-based meats had been um, very much on the rise, very much a topic of conversation. And I'm not hearing as much about them, but from what I understand, sales are still, are doing very well. Is that accurate?
1: Yeah, it is. It's accurate. In fact, they're doing even, yeah you know, it, even better than meat, which Is shocking. Like if something's up fifty percent, could some could another category be up a lot more? And the answer is, well, yeah. Plant-based proteins are are just still going through the roof, especially some of the bigger brands.
0: But it's a much smaller base.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You you kind of knew where I was going with that one. That I must have telegraphed that pretty well. (laughs) But uh, so when you look at the tens of billions of dollars that incremental meat brings in, meat meat can be about a fifty to sixty billion dollar category, depending on how you look you know what small categories you want to put in or out so think of that big number and if you grow that say 40% that's a very big jump in dollars 40% on call it 60 billion that's a very big number now if you grow something 200% on 800 million 200% is a really big headline term. but it's a lot smaller category so the total dollars to the retailer are not quite is big. So the growth is fantastic. Plant-based is doing great. But the retailers are honestly struggling with it. if I if I need to sell this much more meat, where do I put it? We <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. How to build more coolers so I can hold that to let you know to put the supply in place to let people come in and shop? So that battle for space is really picking up. And it's not it's not about percent growth. In a lot of cases, it's about the dollar impact and just trying to keep meat on the shelf for, uh, for consumers.
0: Yeah. Keep that, keep the stock up. So one question then um, with plant-based is are a lot of these new buyers as well? Um, you know, maybe people who felt, okay, I've, I've, why not give it a try and it's another opportunity to keep more new users on board.
1: Yeah, there's, you know, and part of it too is, you know, I think plant-based has had availability as well. So it's been open to, To try. In other words, um, yeah, they've kept pretty good in stocks all the way through. So, as you look at older generations that were saying, well, maybe I should try something because you know what? I have to cook seven dinners this week. I mean, it's no longer I'm going to cook four, have one for leftovers, and going out two or anything else. The math is you're cooking seven dinners, probably for more people. So, you know, plant based, I think, has won in that sense of being part of the trial. You know, that people are trying it and um, and the repeat rates continue to be strong. They, they are holding across the board um, greater than 30%, which is kind of our benchmark for when people are, when you hit that 30% mark, um, you've got a winner in, in terms of a category and a product line. So, yeah.
0: okay. So one thing I wanted to touch on is um, prices because Consumers are definitely seeing prices increase, and we have um, the IRI inflation tracker shows that prices like across the store are up about seven percent. But for meat, they're even higher. Um, can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, meat. Well, you know, first, yeah, that's a great question, Joan, because it, meat is meat is a very sensitive price for a lot of people. Yeah, you know, they they know what goes in the basket, and it's. It's something that they came to the store for. In other words, they picked that store because of the meat department and the value and the pricing and quality that cuts. So when people are choosing a big stock up trip, meat is usually the driver for that. You know, produce a very close second in terms of what's driving that trip. So it's, it's an important bellwether flagship and it matters for that retailer but meat prices fluctuate every year these are living breathing animals that sometimes there's more of them sometimes there's less of them there's demand there's seasons that kind of bit so it's not this isn't about moving box product through it's it's actually these are real living breathing animals and and you know f- from all that so the prices fluctuate year over year This year, you know, we are up partially because of the meat shortage, partially because of demand, partially because of just where we were last year relative to things. So if you look in that 10 to 14% range, it'll be pretty consistent. So you're seeing fewer promotions from retailers. Um, They don't have to compete as much on price. They will compete on a few things to get people coming through, but you don't have to promote the whole meat department now to, to bring people in. So the promotions are getting reduced. The depth of that, and that absorbs some of the cost for retailers, so they don't have to raise it up. Um, yeah, you know, the other thing is wholesale prices have been going up, and that can make some people kind of uh, raise their eyes when they see wholesale prices doubling. Mm-hmm. It's the price that retailers are paying if they don't have long-term contracts. Some retailers do have long-term contracts, and you know that helps kind of keep the prices moderated for a lot of those too. So. While we are seeing prices up 10 to 14%, it seems like, you know, uh, it's um, year over year, it's in line with total store, just a little bit higher overall.
0: Well, and I think too, aren't like, you know, because processors have been trying hard just to get product out, aren't they focusing more on maybe larger pack sizes, which also kind of impact the total um, price of the product that we're looking at?
1: Yeah, uh, that's that's a great point, Joan. They absolutely have. In fact, very few people were truly ready for what happened in mid-March. You know, it caught a lot of people flat-footed probably back in February about just what demand would be when people are sheltering in place and even that need. So, you know, the first first calls that went out just saying, let's stop running one-pound packs of chicken breast and we're going to run a lot more three pounds Mm -hmm. because it's trying to find a package that people can buy and, and then take away. So you know what call, what I'd call A and B skews are the top, top cuts, top flavors, things like that. Manufacturers are really just trying to put, put product on the shelves for people to buy you know, versus saying, I want to go out and put nine different flavors out and I'm going to go stop my plant to change over for the um, you know, ninth biggest flavor out of my line. You know, they run their top flavors and just make sure there's enough in stock all the way through. So, um, so that, also, that's a big piece of it.
0: You also had talked a little bit about, you know, some of these tightened, tightened supply based on like what's happening with manufacturers. Um, is the worst of that over? Is the plant closure episode over? Um, can you, like what's happening there?
1: Yeah. So what a lot of the data that we see comes out of, um, comes out of the USDA, and if you if you kind of track the daily rates of how many animals are going into plants to be processed and harvested, um, I would say at least in the in the intermediate term here we have seen a bottom. In other words, we're seeing more more animals being processed. The backups are alleviating, and there's more big plants coming back online in the next couple of weeks. So, um, without going into names and clients and things like that, you know, there's there's evidence to say. That you know, the um with more plants online, more animals coming through, um, a lot of that tightness in supply chain should alleviate over time. But yeah, the COVID's a a living, breathing thing as well, and things can change. But yeah, you know, from everything we can see in pricing and processing, it's it's likely to get better. And one of the the Bellwethers was a big announcement from a manufacturer yesterday from the beef side that they're reducing some of their wholesale prices up to 30%. So wow. seeing the big processors come through and they're looking through the, the trouble in the next week or so, and they know that things will likely get better. And they're anticipating that too.
0: Okay. That's a that's a good indication because like I said, or we've said, you know, that food dollar is going to stay in the home. And even as we come out of covid Um, we're in a tight economy and people still want to be able to see that meat is a good value, that there's plenty of supply there and that they'll be able to feed their families. Yeah. So before I wrap it up, I do have one kind of, um, question that just kind of popped up in my head. And that is, um, you're, you're the protein guy, but what, what's your go-to, what have you been making for your family? Um, anything unusual or anything that's become kind of a big family favorite?
1: You know, it's funny. We've been doing a little bit of what I'd call recipe roulette. So we've put together everybody's, I have a daughter who's home from college, a son who's a senior in high school, and a wife who's working at home about 20 feet away, and she thinks I talk on the computer or phone all the time. It's sort of the the feedback I get. (laughs) What we've done is we've we've gone out to find some recipes, um, and it, it doesn't matter whether people pull them from or, or our kids pull them from a newspaper website or whatever else. But we've we've done a lot more um, shredded meats, and we've tried to work more more what I would call ethnic type flavors. So working um, Indian type dishes or even Greek and Moroccan type dishes, using pork and chicken for the most part um, inside of that, and it's. It's tested my skill, but it's also kind of tested the kids' skill too, because they're cooking as well. So if you oh, bring the fantastic. recipe, well, you know, we, we can all try it. So um, that
0: is a fantastic approach. I love that the family is involved in both selecting and preparing and enjoying all those different dishes. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, Chris, in wrapping up, here's just want to recap some of the things that I've I've heard you say, and that is. Um, that when we started out talking about meat, yep, there might be some supply um, stresses, if you will, but in the grand scheme of things, there's plenty of meat out there and take it as an opportunity to try a new cut um, because meat is the darling of the grocery store right now with sales up about 50% compared to last year. Within those different types of meat, Turkey is a big surprise. You know the turkey is really growing like gangbusters. Um, there is no uh, the plant based meats are still very much in the game, even if retailers are struggling to find out who gets the the meat case space, if you will. Um, and things are showing signs of level setting. That even though prices are a little elevated, that's not to be um, unexpected, given that this is a commodity but that the industry is giving indications that things are going to be leveling out, both in terms of supply and hopefully prices in in the short term. So with that, um, I want to say thank you so much for your time and your invaluable insight and the um, tips on feeding the family. Have a great day. All right.
1: Thanks very much, Joan. It was wonderful to be here, and thanks for the opportunity.
0: Thank you for listening. Please visit iriworldwide.com to view the IRI COVID-19 dashboard and insights portal. Where you'll have access to daily updates, in-depth reports, as well as observations and implications for the CPG retail industry. Please become a subscriber of IRI Growth Insights and let us know what you want to learn more about. We'll serve it up in a future IRI Growth Insights episode. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to review IRI Growth Insights. Also visit us on the web at IRIWorldwide.com and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.